This episode is brought to you by Unblock Your Way to Oneness, the online course that will radically transform intimacy in your marriage. Go to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash oneness to learn more, claim your special Jewish Latin Princess discount, and see what other course graduates have said about the course. Jewish Latin Princess episode 110, Jeanette Kaploon, journalist, TV host, and CEO of Hispana Global. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. A bit of a hiatus around here, I know, given the last stretch of the month of Tishrei. And I have to say, you know, if, if you don't observe all the Jewish holidays, you, you guess you might not know how, what it's like to... But so, so let me sum it up for you a bit, because a lot of people don't realize what this month is like. It's like, it's like a bubble. You're, you're in the world, but you're really not in the world at all. You think you can get work done, but the reality is there's no time or headspace to get much done. The energy is just completely different. It's on the one hand, it's introspective, but it's also festive and the joys and the festivities and the, of course, the practical, the cooking, the shopping, which maybe sometimes overwhelms us. But uh, there's also this, I don't know, this permission to be in a state of joy, of relaxation, of camaraderie, of spending time with family, going to friends' houses, from sukkah to sukkah. It's just such an awesome time of year. And I have to say, this was one of the years where I did pretty good um, in terms of embracing it and just not fighting it by feeling like, no, I have to get this done or that done. Like I literally dropped a few balls consciously and I was so okay with that. I, I, you know, I did it consciously because I knew that there were other priorities and it was really an incredible tissue. Of course, my son was in town and we had a lot of friends and it just, family, etc. So now I had to land back into reality and that landing, you know, the morning after Simchat Torah is uh, over, it just um, feels, at least it feels or it felt for me, like, I don't know, like a forced landing. Uh, it's a bit of a shock to the system. Um, energetically, the energy is completely different, but that's, I guess, what it's all about. It's about, Judaism is about being in the world, about and the whole month of Tishrei is, and the whole transition, the very sharp contrast between Tishrei and the next month, Cheshvan, is all about going back into the world and infusing the world with meaning and the with the meaning and the inspiration that we tapped into during the bubble of Tishrei. So all that to describe Tishrei a little bit for those of you who might not be familiar with how that dynamic works. And well, to say that I'm definitely glad to be back, especially because I have an awesome guest today and I'm crazy about introducing her to you. But before I do that, I do want to share some cool things that have been happening around here. 
Um, well, for one, I'm preparing for my daughter's bat mitzvah. That's pretty cool. But I also wanted to let you know that I was featured on or appeared on several podcasts recently. I was on Israel News Talk Radio, which up until recently I was not familiar with. Um, but this is a platform which has several shows. And one of them is called Leap of Faith, hosted by a lovely woman named Penina Taylor. I'm honored to have been her guest. If you want to hear more about my journey to becoming more observant and some words of advice on how to manage that process, um, your relationship with your family, and a lot more. Uh, take a listen. I think you might enjoy it. It's on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com, and you can search there for Jewish Latin Princess, I suppose, or search for the specific show, Leap of Faith, where you'll be able to find Penina Taylor interviewing me. In addition to that, the Meeting of the Mind series continues, which reminds me, I'd like to welcome all of the new listeners. I know that after I aired episode 109, a Meeting of the Minds with Barry Mitzman, Francisca, and Hani Aaron Troy, a lot of new listeners joined the show, so I'd like to welcome you. And also thank you for all the lovely messages that you've left. Um, I have to give a few shout outs, but I'm going to wait till next week to shout out a, a, some of the lovely messages and reviews that I've been getting. Um, so you may have caught episode 109 already. And now you can also go hear me along with my three fellow podcast hosts on their shows. I just finished listening to one of our meeting of the minds. And I have to tell you, they are good. It, it's just so fun and such good energy together. As I told you before, we discuss different topics on each other's podcasts. So go check those out. I'm at the Francisca Show's latest episode, as well as Boss Madel's latest episode. And airing this coming week of November 4th, we will be together again for the final of the series at the Woman of Valor podcast. So I hope you check those out and let me know what you think. Now, that was a long update. You see what happens when I leave you for a while? But ladies, I have such a nice guest today. Her name is Jeanette Kaplun. I feel like Jeanette needs no introduction, but just in case you don't know who she is, Jeanette is one of the top bilingual Latina bloggers and influencers. She's an award-winning bilingual journalist, spokesperson, TV personality, and internationally recognized parenting writer with over 20 years of experience um, in on media, on TV, radio, online media. She's achieved what very few have done, which is to, I guess, seamlessly navigate between the general and the Hispanic market television shows, including appearances on, oh my goodness, Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, the Steve Harvey Show, the Chew Today Show, and and then all the Latin important channels like Despierta America, Un Nuevo Día, El News Café, Acceso Total, Viva La Familia, and Todo Bebe, etc. So, I mean, you name it, she's been there. Um, Jeanette began blogging about her pregnancy and motherhood in the early 2000s. Imagine that, which makes her a true pioneer in the Latino slash Hispanic blogging world. And she's been recognized for her work numerous times um, as one of the leading Latina bloggers in the US and media influencers. And you know what it's like when you meet someone really big and you hope they're as delightful as you imagine them to be? Well, Jeanette is that and then some. And of course, she's another Jewish Latin princess, which was a lot of fun because given the latest announcement from Disney to create the new Jewish Latin princess character very soon, close to Hanukkah time, well, we had to talk about that and we had a lot of fun with that. Um, Jeanette and I talk about her work, motherhood, multicultural life, Judaism, and of course, um, Judaism, of course. <laughs> and if you're one of those women who tends to have many passions and embark on many projects, well, I think you'll find this conversation very refreshing and relevant. Here's the lovely Janet Kaplun. 
Janet Kaplun. Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? Hi, I am so thrilled to be with you, Yael, and this amazing audience. Congratulations on building such, such a beautiful podcast. Thank I am so you. thrilled to be here. Thank you. Thank you. That that means a lot to you, to me, coming from you, who are definitely a pioneer in all of this, in the blogging space, in the communication space, as a Latina, a Latin woman doing all of this. We got two Jewish Latin princesses in the house. I mean, what's this is going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, and come Hanukkah, we're going to have a third Latina Jewish oh princess gosh, on let's the Disney Channel. Let's Elena start Kamala. with that. Oh my we're gosh. We're going to have a Jewish Latina princess guest. It's so funny. So incredible. It's, it's incredible. It's so a great funny. time to be a Latina Jewish princess. I'm telling right you, I'm telling you. I, ha- I I went all over social media when I saw it. I was laughing so hard. I said, all my friends were like, no, this is not the first. Tell Disney it's not the first. <laughs> you were the first, yeah, El. But, but I think it's great. Disney I Jewish think it's Latina wonderful, princess. right? You've, you've worked with Disney before. You partnered with Disney many times. So I think that's... Yes, many times. I many, many times. I, I so Where do you think they came up with this brilliant idea? <laughs> well, to be quite honest with you, they've been working on redoing the princesses and just making them more active, less passive for many years. Mm. And I also think that they recognize that in the Latino space, there is diversity as well. Right. It, we don't all look alike. Uh, I, I always make jokes at conferences that people have a hard time wrapping their head around that I'm Latina and oh, that I'm Jewish, but actually Disney gets it. But these things take time. It takes time to find the right stories. So I I just think they wanted to recognize the diversity in the Hispanic community and to show it in a beautiful and very organic way. So th- I think that incorporating Hanukkah to to the Christmas and holiday programming is, is a very it's a very great and smart way to do it. I think it's brilliant. And I think it's brilliant that they were able to recognize those nuances of Latin culture and Jewish culture. I mean, it's pretty brilliant. So I'm really looking forward, really excited for that. Um, so Janet, let's start with, I want to brag a little bit about you because you, you're you a mother, first and foremost, you're a mother, yes. <laughs> you're a journalist, you're a TV host, you're a writer, you're the founder of Hispana Global, and we'll get to that, you're a wonderful company, you're a bilingual blogger, you had a prior company that you sold, you've been, oh my goodness, you've been in the Steve Harvey show and uh, Good Morning America and so many media outlets in the United States. Um, you are, you know, one of the most important bilingual bloggers, Latin bloggers in the United States. So take us back in time, because you definitely started much earlier than many of us. And I, I heard somewhere through the grapevine that you indeed were not afraid of tech even. So you really took this from all angles, not just your writing and your journalism angle, but you weren't even scared to tackle the tech. So take us back to those early days as a blogger. And what was the impetus to start? Because you already had a a, a successful career as a journalist, I understand. Well, it's really interesting because people still are really shocked, and I'm shocked too, when they learn that I've been creating content online since 99. That's Mm -hmm. the year that I co-founded my first online company called Todo Bebe. But to be quite honest with you, I had no idea what I was doing. I've always loved tech. I used to do all the gadget reviews for Discovery Channel Latin America on, on a TV show called Vida Linea. 
Mm-hmm. And while I was on that show, my husband and I came up with the idea of creating a website for parents in Spanish because there was no content really available that was top-notch, credible, well-written in Spanish at that point. So that's how we came up with Todo Bebe. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll be your editor-in-chief until you raise capital and you can hire somebody. Well, Were for you guys years, parents at this point? No, Todo Bebe was my first baby. Oh I, my I, goodness. I, yeah, I became a mom when in 2002. So Todo Bebe was already three years old. So it, it, it's a really interesting story because I really started as an editor, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is just creating a magazine, but it's on the web. And there was no Facebook. There were no social networks. We had to build everything from scratch. Right. So it was really, really interesting. But what got me totally hooked onto the internet was the immediate response. Mm-hmm. I would publish an article and I would get immediate response. When you work at a newspaper or even a magazine, it takes so long to get some feedback, even on TV. At that point, there it, there was no real immediacy like you have right now with phones, with Facebook Lives, with Instagram Lives. Everything happens in the moment. And that wasn't the case 20 years ago, much less with journalism. So the idea of being able to help other people make informed decisions and to be my own editor and to be as creative as I wanted to be was incredible. So it opened a whole new world for me. And I realized the potential that the internet had. At that point, I honestly didn't know that what I was doing was called blogging. Mm -hmm. I thought I had an online column sort of like stealing the concept from print because everything was new. The terms were new. The technology started evolving really, really rapidly. I I mean, I still can't believe what we can do with a phone. Right. And that I can create a website through my phone if I wanted. I can do a live broadcast with broadcast quality video. You can record a podcast. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's incredible the potential. The cameras on the phones are much better than the digital cameras that I used to evaluate and review for, for the Discovery <laughs> Channel. So it, it's it's quite funny. And that website grew into apps, into a radio show, into parenting TV shows, events. We had products in, in Walmart. I, la- I launched apps in English, Portuguese, and Spanish for for preschoolers. So it, I wrote a book with HarperCollins. So mm-hmm. it was it was incredible. But then in 2012, I realized that I wanted to do something for women, not necessarily moms, because to be a woman, it, it, it you're not defined by having a child or not. So I, I really wanted to help women live their best lives in English and in Espanol, mm-hmm. because that was the other issue. A lot of people are consuming content in either English or Spanish, or depending on who you want to share it with, you prefer one language or the other. And my brain works in both languages. I navigate two worlds. I do it at home as well because I'm raising my kids bilingual. So that's where the whole idea came for Hispana Global. And then it it just took off from there. And since I've been doing it longer, I guess that's why I speak so much at conferences. And I had the advantage of being able to get my name out there more because there was less competition. Now it's crazy, which is good because now everybody realizes that they have a powerful voice. They have a story to share and that way we can connect with others and feel less lonely in this world. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So one of the interesting things about this story is that, that 
it, it would it would and I think you alluded to this that it would be hard to define you because you started Todo Bebe speaking to mothers about issues of motherhood. Obviously, during this journey, you yourself became a mother, so the conversation became even more relevant and more more poignant. But as you evolved as a communicator, I know that you've you expanded even in Todo Bebe. Your content was uh, of all different types areas of lifestyle, and so it is in Hispana Global and as you as a keynote speaker and 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 in TV, etc. So, you know, it begs the question nowadays, we hear so often, you have to specialize and you have to be what's your niche and people try an industry tries to put us in a box. And I struggle with that personally. And I'm curious to see if you've struggled with that. And what's been how do you manage that? Oh, my goodness, you hit the nail on the head. Because quite honestly, I've never fit in. I'm a master at creating my own boxes. Because I love that. It's really hard to. <laughs> I'm going to join you there. <laughs> okay, come on, join in. Because honestly, I think there's many of us that are multi-passionate that right. want to help others in different ways or that there are different things that we want to do in life. I have always had issues with niching down because for me, it's very hard. I have different interests. I love doing different things. So even though having a very specific niche helps you with business. I mean, right now with Google and all the algorithms, mm -hmm. the more that you're perceived as an expert in something very delimited, very easy to box in, then it's going to be easier for others to find you. It, it, it's proven. Yes. I'm not making this up. So in that sense, when you're building a business, it might be the smart thing to do. But in life, I've decided, and this is a very personal choice, and each person has to realize which path is best for them, is that if I do that, I feel I'm missing out on so much that I can do. So mm -hmm. that way, I've been able to do online. I've been able to do radio. I've been able to do TV. I've been able to do events. I've been able to be a speaker, to write books. I'm I can't do it. I really can't just focus on one thing. I can focus on doing one thing at a specific moment. So that way I can do it as best as I can. But to limit myself to just one specific topic, for me, it would be like, I don't know, like, like cutting a part of myself, because I feel that there is so much that I would like to do so much that I would like to learn to share, yeah. to help to to see in this world that honestly, for me, that doesn't work. I, I feel there's a part of me that's left unsatisfied. But from the business perspective, you have to find a balance. So that's why on, on Hispana Global, you won't find content that I wouldn't personally engage with because mm -hmm. it has to be a reflection of myself. Right. So if there's something let's say that there's a recipe that's overly complicated with fondant and, and, and it takes five days to prepare. No way. Quite honestly, I'm not going to post it because I would never make it. Right. But I will link to a friend who does these spectacular cakes in LA and she shows the most incredible tutorials. She does live masterclasses because that is her passion. So even though I might not do it, I am interested and fascinated by the process. So I will cover it. But I'm not focusing on that because I can't do that, right? So right. in in many ways, I think you have to find something that reflects your personality. But it's funny because I find that you have a very specific niche. And it, it's interesting for me to hear your own struggle. And, and that's why I think 
your podcast, sharing our stories is so important because I think there are many other people like us who are passionate mm-hmm. and who struggle with this whole notion that if you don't fit really nicely into a box, then there's no way that you can succeed in life. And you know, I recently discovered there is a new term for this. And I want I'm going to send you a link to a TED talk I watch and I'm forgetting who's the girl a young Jewish girl actually invented this term multi potentialite. And isn't that amazing? (laughs) It's amazing. And she basically describes what you just so eloquently said, how some of us aren't born, you know, from the moment we came out of the womb with this one true calling. You know, I had friends do from age three, they knew they wanted to be architects. And it's so beautiful, because that's exactly what they did. And that's their passion. And that's who they are. You always knew it. That's what they became. And then and that's great. But then there are some of us who embrace all sorts of different projects, and we get really good at it. And then we jump at the next thing and the next thing. And we're so passionate about different things. And it's a different we need both in the world, basically. I think so. And we yeah. complement each other. Totally. The only, only thing that you always need to keep in mind is that please finish every project oh, yes. that you start. <laughs> yeah. Because with people who have this m- multiplying uh, effect on, on all their potential and so many different roads that they can take, sometimes you start one and then you leave it unfinished. And yes. I, I feel that unfinished business always comes to... Um, you. <laughs> on you later on. It really does. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, since we're in the topic of identity, you, you know, your nuanced identity is not just because you're Latin and you, you know, you also grew up, I understand some of your life in America, plus you live in the United States now currently, that's where you raised your children, but of course you're Jewish. So take us back to growing up. I understand, were you born in, in Texas or were you born in Chile? Which one? Chile, which one? I was born in El Paso, Texas mm-hmm. to parents from Chile who mm-hmm. descended from Ukrainian immigrants. So mm-hmm. that, that 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 way, I think it can make it a little bit easier to understand where my Jewish identity comes. So mm-hmm. when I was seven, I moved back to Chile, where my parents were originally from. I grew up there, I went to school there. And then in 97, I moved back to the States to Miami, where I'm still living. So and it, and it, you moved for circle. school? You moved for school? I or for work? Moved back to the States to attend graduate school, but Mm -hmm. also because I fell in love with my husband. So Uh I wanted to be closer to him. So I almost moved to Chicago. But in the end, I decided to move to Miami to figure out whether things were work out or not. And we've been married almost 21 years. So I guess they did. It worked. Is he also Latin American? Yes, he is a Latino Jew from Peru. Oh, <laughs> oh there are not he's, that many. So you got one. Well, tw- <laughs> currently 2,500, I understand, yeah, that's are what left I heard too. In, in Peru. Right. And the community was a little larger when he was growing up, but he moved to the States in 89. So that that definitely has changed after so many years. But it's really interesting. And we ended up meeting in Miami, we were friends for many years. And then we started dating. And then we got married. And we have two amazing children. Thank God. So a little bit of trivia for you. I actually um, spent some time in Santiago. As a young uh, student, I went to study 
uh, for a semester and to work to do an internship for an entire summer. So I ended up all in all staying like almost nine months, eight, eight months in Santiago, Chile. So I had my wow. time in Chile. Yeah. Mm hmm. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, this was 19, let's see, probably 1996, 1995, 1996, around that time, because I graduated college in 1998. So yeah, it must have been around that time. So that's yeah. amazing. I, w I was still living in Chile then. Mm -hmm. And I was a journalist for Canal 13. So. Oh, look at that. Amazing. At that. Amazing. Amazing. So talk to us a little bit about your Jewish upbringing. How is that manifested at home? And um, I think it's always intriguing for uh, listeners, especially listeners who are not familiar with our countries, um, to to take a little bit of a, a glimpse into growing up Jewish in Latin American communities, especially Chile is a very Catholic country, um, although it has a beautiful Jewish community. Um, how is that for you guys? Well, it's interesting, right? Because many people who are not Latino assume that all uh, Latino Jews are Sephardic. Yes. Ashkenazi. <laughs> and it, it, it's really, really interesting because in Chile, contrary to other communities, I mean, there is a very vibrant Sephardic community, but I would say that I grew up mostly in, in the Ashkenazi community. Right. And, and I grew up at a time in which um, we were highly assimilated. Mm -hmm. So it's it wasn't a very observant or religious upbringing i mean right. of course the high holidays but we never kept kosher in in, in my family in the house or we were not shomer shabbat I, I i'm i'm not that observant in that sense right i feel very very identified with my jewish identity i Support Israel 100%. It, it never crosses my mind to not support Israel. And I might not agree sometimes with internal politics, but I don't live there. So right. I, I cannot um, give my opinion on that. But for me, the existence of Israel is a must. So I do anything I can do to support it. And I would say that the 15,000 Jews that live in, in Chile feel the same way. Yes, um, yes. Anti-Semitism in Chile has been on the rise. When I grew up, honestly, I did not experience uh, aggressive anti-Semitism. It was more, much more of ignorant anti-Semitism. Um, a lot of all these inherited notions because a lot of people have never met a Jewish person mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. So it was very interesting. So we also always had security and temples, which I know that in the U.S. is something new. new and people new. get very, very shocked. But all of us who grew up in South America oh, yeah, that's the uh, norm. Are, have grown up with security and, and all these um the Israeli security Bitafon. teams really <laughs> uh, being able to, to check everything because we get very concerned. Now it's changed. Um, Chile also has the largest group of Palestinians outside of the Middle East, over 450,000. So they, they, they also um, make themselves heard and, and are very vocal about their position opinions and unfortunately that has led to a r rise in anti-semitic mm. um press actions sayings and and sometimes acts of violence against our community but i i've always kept jewish traditions in in my home because i i feel so strongly about it yeah. and, and and we're raising our children jewish 
and we had our our son's bar mitzvah in Israel. Um, my my daughter did her bat mitzvah with weed. So so our Jewish identity is there. It's very strong. It's part of who we are every single day. And I think that each family decides how they want to live that up. But I I, I really think that if we don't keep our most basic traditions and explain why they're important mm-hmm. and where I, we came from, our children are missing out on something very, very important. And that's the sense of identity that wherever you go, the songs are the same. I, I've been to temples all over the world and right. the symbols are the same. Some pronunciation might change from a Sephardic to an Ashkenazi temple, but in the end, our sense of identity is always welcome. If you want to spend Shabbat with somebody, wherever you are, you will find a family that will welcome you and you will feel right at home. So yeah. it's, it, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful sense of connection. It is very beautiful. It is very beautiful. And raising your kids in Miami, you have everything at your disposal because there is such a revival of, of Judaism all over Latin America, all over Miami, all over the world, actually, thankfully. Well, well what I think is that Miami is not the rest of the world. Miami <laughs> so. is, is very unique. <laughs> unique and, very. And very, very unique. I mean, the, the amount uh, of Jews is not reflective of what you will see outside of Aventura, North Miami Beach, totally. Sunny Isles, totally. um, Miami Beach. Uh, it, it, it's very unique. So I, I never lose sight of that. And it's something that I always teach my kids as well to be very aware of the world that we live in and to always build bridges because they might be the only Jewish person that other people might meet. So mm-hmm. you sort of have this role of ambassador and and trying to figure out whether something that might be mistakenly said was said with a bad intention or was said out of ignorance. So it's very easy to forget that when you live in such uh, a, a microcosm in which yes. everybody seems to be like you and everybody seems to know what the high holidays are and what Yom Kippur stands for and Rosh Hashanah and everybody wishes you Happy New Year. But outside uh, of Miami, that might not be the case. That's not the real world. So right, right. it's it, it, I feel very fortunate to be able to live in, in a city in which there are so many Jewish people and, and also from so many diverse communities because it, it's incredible how many temples there are. It's something incredible. But I, I, I think you touched on something very important and that the idea, the, the one of the beautiful things of raising your children in, 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 in such a community, a diverse community at the same time is to teach them a sense of pride and empowerment that when they do go out in the world, because as you mentioned, Miami is not a reflection of the rest of the America or the world. Um, they, can be ambassadors and they could own it they could really stand on their own two feet and really be a a, a positive uh a, a force for good and for light as communicating you know what jewish the jewish people stand for which values etc etc so that's something very very important and nice no it, it, and it's also something so important right so we can important. all coexist as long as we respect, respect each, each other, other. yes yeah and that's what's severely lacking, I feel, in, in many communities, the lack of respect, of tolerance, and even just trying to learn more from each other, mm-hmm. because we can all find ways to specifically, to specifically coexist, but, but a lot of people think that it's their way or the highway, and, and 
my goal as a mother is to prepare my kids for the world that they will see tomorrow without me by their side because I won't be with them by their side 24-7 when they're spreading their wings. So they will have to make different decisions at different moments. And all I can do is right now instill in, the, instill in them certain values and hope for the best. Right, 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 right. Has marital intimacy become the source of emotional pain, tension, and frustration? Or do you just sense there's more to gain from this special part of marriage, but you don't know how to get there? I may have the answer for you. It's called Unblock Your Way to Oneness. This is a course that can transform your marriage. When marital intimacy is a struggle in any way, all other aspects of your marriage become shadowed by the frustration of a disappointing relationship. If not addressed, struggles with intimacy can become bigger and deeper over time, but it doesn't have to be that way. Unblock Your Way to Oneness is the clear, thorough course that will take you on a transformative journey so that you can have a satisfying, fulfilling, and joyous intimate bond with your husband. Head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash oneness to learn more and to claim your special discount today. That's jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash oneness. So going back, Janet, a little bit to to talking about your career, um, you're obviously a very committed as a mother. That's your you know you know your number one passion and and your number one priority. But you've accomplished so much. What are some of the challenges that have come along with that? Because I know uh, you know sometimes things in social media for all the hardworking mothers out there, and we try to manage a career and we try to manage our homes and you know all of that. Sometimes it seems so um, almost unrealistic. And I you're I know you're a very authentic person. So give us a little bit of the behind the scene. And what is the reality? Um, what are the real challenges that we all struggle with and are often not not talked about? They're glossed over. Well, I, I think any mother has different challenges because all mothers work, whether it's inside or outside the home. That's mm-hmm. the first thing. Second, the whole notion of balance for me really does not exist. Oh, you thank can you. leave thank you, a Jeanette. balanced <laughs> life, but there is no real balance. I mean, you can have an overall sense of balance in mm-hmm. the sense that, okay, if you look at the big picture, if the kids are all right, the home is decent, right. and nobody is yelling at each other, or hitting each other, There's then peace. you should call it a, a, a win, yeah, right? Correct. But we need to make peace with the sense of giving the best we can, trying our best, and understanding that there is no perfection. The notion of the perfect mother does not exist the perfect professional doesn't exist we are not perfect so the earlier you make peace with that the happier you will be (laughs) the second notion (laughs) is that yes you need to embrace imperfection (laughs) but the other notion that i think is harming a lot a lot of women right now is looking at curated lives and assuming that that's what real life looks like and feeling bad because their own lives don't look like that. My life does not 
look perfect. Life is <laughs> messy. All. Life is very messy. And even on Instagram, right, I'll share beautiful pictures, but I'm choosing to share a side of my life. My kids are choosing not to be shown on social media. Mm. And as a parent, I need to respect that they are the ones owning their own stories. So they get to decide whether I share that part of my life or not. So that's something that each parent struggles with. I mm -hmm. think realizing where does my story end and where does the story of my children begin, at least for online storytellers. Yeah. But what I always tell women, especially when I'm speaking at conferences, is to stop comparing yourself to others. Oh, thank find you. Find your goals, find your values, and live according to those values and to those goals. And whatever is distracting you from living out those values, then you really need to reevaluate. Because if you say that you're working for your family, but you never spend time with your family, then definitely there's a problem. Mm. If you say that you're staying at home for your kids, but life is getting very, very complicated at home, then maybe you really need to reevaluate if it would benefit everybody if you were to work outside the home. But again, mm -hmm. these are personal decisions that you need to make after evaluating what's important for you, what works for your family, and nobody else has the right to tell you how to live out your family life or how to develop your career. All I know is that I would not be happy if I'm not creating, if I'm mm -hmm. not building, if I'm not sharing, if I'm not helping. But I, I wouldn't be happy either if I wasn't a mom. But that's not the reality for other people. Other people don't need to be parents to be happy. Other people don't need to have a career to be happy. So you need to find a happy medium in which your overall sense is that, okay, I'm doing my best. Sometimes I fail. Sometimes I succeed. But Overall, things are okay. Yeah. And that should give you a sense of satisfaction. Yeah. You know, I heard you one time say something that really resonated with me. And I would love for you to just stop distill it for listeners. You said something along the lines, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you're super organized, but not so orderly. Is that correct? <laughs> I'm extremely messy, but I'm very organized. Okay, explain it to us. Because <laughs> whatever you meant, I said, I think I'm that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like I know people, for example, my husband, my sister-in-law, they are the most organized people with their closets, with their homes. They, like anything has, anything that they put away looks perfect, color-coded, it looks beautiful. But I am not that way. I am very messy, but there's a method to the madness. I know where every <laughs> single paper is, where every single item of clothing, every single... Um, item that I need to review and photograph is, but it doesn't look organized to the outside world. But on the other hand, I am super organized with my time. Every single second tends to be planned out unless I'm on vacation because that's how I stay on track of things. I write down every single task. I have to-do lists. I have invoices pending that I need to send. I have deliverables, deadlines. If I don't write it down, it doesn't get done. So every day I make a list of what needs to get done that day. And at the end of the day, I evaluate what I completed, what I didn't. And if my list was too long, then that also needs to be reevaluated mm -hmm. because endless to-do lists are not the solution. You need to figure out what the priority are. It, priorities are. If 
everything's an emergency, then nothing is really urgent. Right. You can't live putting out fires. So when it comes to business, I'm also super, super organized on on staying on task, on, on what needs to get done, by when, how it needs to get done, if I need to enlist the help of others. And I think that's what I was referring to. But if you look at my desk, it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And and for other people, that might mean I'm disorganized. But no, there's a method to the madness. And everything that needs to get done, gets done. You know, it's funny that you mentioned the time. It's so important, by the way, for creatives or people who are content creators and who are doing many things. Like you're probably writing a speech one day and an article another and all these things to really have... A, a, a good sense of time. I, I, I certainly know that I have to, otherwise I'm all over the place and I can't because I'm involved in so many different projects and so many things I have to do, right? And we have to manage our social media and et cetera, et cetera, right? Um, but I think it's interesting that you mentioned it because recently I was listening to somebody who had experience uh, in, on TV, on camera, and I know when I've done speech uh, public speaking uh, trainings. I've done it with a lot of people who've been on camera. And one of the most important things is knowing what is 30 seconds, knowing what is a minute, knowing <laughs> how, really knowing time. It's, it's a yeah. special skill. And obviously you had it professionally. So, <laughs> Well, yeah, every second counts. And on TV, there's no such thing as dead air. I mean, it might happen, but nobody wants it. So you learn to fill every single second. And I think that's what I do with my life as well. But that doesn't mean that I don't fill my time when it's time to rest with sleeping or enjoying people in real life instead Mm -hmm. of just leaving leading a very connected life at all times. I, I really think that we are forgetting the importance of eye contact of making time in real life for those moments that cannot be replaced online. Yeah, so important, which I think are, you know, not that Judaism would ever be irrelevant, but I think more and more, it's becoming clear how some of our traditions and those, you know, forced pockets of time to spend together, were, whether it be now that we just came out of Rosh Hashanah, the high holidays, were a bit, whether it be Shabbat or Passover, those, those such important pockets of time where you're meant to really try to connect with the people around you on a level that nowadays we're starting to lose. We're so involved with everything else that um, I just think it makes it even more relevant and more needed. A hundred percent. And I think for some people that has also become a way that is very freeing in the sense that, oh, this makes sense and this is why we do it. Mm-hmm. But others, for others, they don't need a reason. They, they, they just have embraced it always but right. our our faith is very smart our traditions in general the more that you study regardless of which path you you take it all makes perfect sense there mm-hmm. is a reason and not that you need a reason for everything but it, it's incredible how wise our our faith is yeah well god's a pretty smart guy <laughs> or it's pretty it's pretty pretty smart God, we don't need to call him a guy, God. Um, <laughs> you know what, speaking about people, Jenna, I'm curious, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Oh, that's a, uh, again, do I'm you, not going to give you, you an, an easy you're an response. No, <laughs> no, I'm an extroverted introvert. Oh. Uh, I, I recharge on my own, oh, um, like me. but I love people. I love meeting people, but 
big crowds overwhelm me. So I I can manage them, but afterwards I need to recharge. So let's say that I'm doing a keynote in front of a thousand people. Mm -hmm. I will feel super, super energized in the minute, but as soon as it's over, I'm drained and I need to recharge either by myself doing something on my own or I love the silence afterwards. Other people just recharge with other people. I need that time alone. So that's why I figured out many years ago that I'm an extroverted introvert, which surprises a lot of people because I, I love meeting new people right. interacting engaging sharing stories but I, I totally feel myself fading away after a while yeah 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 I, I i have the same thing i when i tell people that i'm an in, a lot more introverted people say what i would have never expected <laughs> it but but i am i need to recharge by myself like when i finish finish a, a speech a keynote i have to after socializing a little bit i really just have to go to my room and just read and unwind on my own um and that's just, and I take a lot of time. I've learned over the years, and I think maybe growing up, it wasn't as, um, there wasn't, there was more of a sense of you have to be out there and you have to be social and whatever. I didn't embrace this part of myself where I really need some more quiet time and more reading time. And um, it came with adulthood. I've really learned that that's what I need in, or, in order to be out there and, and produce content and give of myself. I really need to recharge by myself a lot. <laughs> Well, you need to fill your cup before you can, you can share it with right, others. Right, right, right. Um, Janet, I'm curious. Um, we mentioned traditions, Jewish traditions, and obviously something that you're very passionate about. That I'm curious, are there any traditions or observances that you hold dear, um, whether because you learned them at your parents' home or were, whether because now as an adult and as a parent, you're, you yourself had dis- learned and decided to really that this is going to be something important that you want to do for your family? Is there something that really is very meaningful from the vast uh, uh, extent that is our faith and our tradition? It's hard to pick just one, but if I had to focus on one tradition that I learned very, very early on was praying the Shema Hmm. at night and in the morning. And at night, it's something that I taught to my kids as babies. Mm -hmm. It was the prayer before bedtime, before they went to sleep, and they've embraced it, I've embraced it, and it's very meaningful to me. Um, And I I feel that at the very basic, it it connects me, it connects my kids also to God. And and I feel it's so, so important for us to have at least one thing that will connect us always. And and for me, it's the last thing that I say before I close my eyes and go to to sleep. And, And that's important to me. It's so beautiful. That is such a beautiful answer. You know, this will really resonate with you. I had on my show already about a year and a half ago, maybe even more, um, Venezuelan TV journalist Shirley Varnagi. You know Shirley? No, no, I I, I don't know her. Okay, but but so anyway, so Shirley is also a Jewish woman, and she's one of the most renowned TV personalities in Venezuela. Anyway, so she, we were having the the same type of conversation, and she mentioned to me that whenever she goes on the air, I was so impressed by this. this is why I'm sharing it with you because it really made an impact on me. She said that every day before she goes on the air, she says Shema Israel, and I said Shirley 
me why. And she said, because I learned that the mouth is the most powerful organ in our body, that Judaism teaches that, which is true. And so I asked God to put the right words in my mouth before I go on the air. Isn't that beautiful? It's beautiful. And I also <laughs> pray the, the Shema and recite the Shema um, before going on air, whenever really? the countdown is. So it, it, it's there interesting you go. as That's well. That's so cool. It is really cool. I'm going to have to look her up now because I, I feel there's a special bond, even though I've never there, met her. I'll, I'll introduce you. Okay. Um, so you're such an accomplished woman, Jeanette. As, um, I'm curious about the women in your family. Any women that really, that has been any a role model um, that you really look up to? And can you give us some color into her life? Well... My family is full of strong, smart women. Mm. My great-grandmother, Sophia, whom I, I used her, her name with my own daughter, uh, was an incredibly strong woman in Ukraine who studied. Even before her time, she, she went to university. Then she raised her sons in, in a new continent by herself with a new language wow. and never stopped working. And she was a very, very wise woman. And I... I'm, I was fortunate enough to, to know her. So that's the first woman that comes to mind. But then my own mother, m my mom, she was a designer. She taught design in, in Chile. She mm. created fashion shows. And, and she was very dedicated to being the best mom that she could be. Um, my own relationship with her was not the best until my late teen years. And then we became best friends. So it, it, it's been beautiful. My paternal grandmother as well, she started studying um, dentistry and then left school because she wanted to dedicate to, to raise her kids. Um, but she also was a very resilient woman. So I, I learned that and they all had in common and they all have in common, the ones that are still with us, the women in my family, a strong sense of always giving back, of being a part of repairing the world, of participating in Tikkun Olam and, mm. and helping others. And I think that's a tradition that I also want to pass on to my own daughter. Yeah, you know, this idea of giving back, I also read somewhere that you and your husband are very passionate about philanthropy, which I find so beautiful. And it's so important to teach our kids to give back of our resources of our time. Uh, you know, it, it really, it's one of the keys to happiness. I mean, this has been proven, and it's embedded in our tradition. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that for listeners, because I just think it's so beautiful that you you are passionate about that. Yeah, and, and we volunteer as a family. Ever since the, the children you? were toddlers, we would prepare meals. Um, we participate in the local milk and honey event in which we deliver baskets with food for Holocaust survivors for the holidays, for Passover, for Rosh Hashanah. So it, it's part of who we are as That's a family. Great. And it's not only with those who are really near to us, but also not knowing who it ends up helping. And, and I feel that, first of all, you need to live with a sense of gratitude every single day. And the second is that the best antidote to entitlement is giving back mm -hmm. and, and helping others because that's when you realize that 
even if you don't have money at some point to help others, you always have time and time being present volunteering is so essential because sometimes a person who's feeling lonely all they need is for one person to care to ask them how their day was if they need anything and that happens so much with the elderly in our communities and and that's something that we've taught our children since they were two i would say so Um, beautiful And it's very necessary. I think if you start out as a family, you have a better chance of them becoming giving adults and and people who help others. Yeah, yeah, we we have time and we have our talents and we have our smiles and our kind words and the world needs a lot more of that. It's free. A lot more kindness. (laughs) Kindness is free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just smile and say something positive. It won't hurt you. (laughs) It won't hurt you and it will give so much to you. To it, you. It, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's, yeah, it, mm-hmm. it will give you so, so much. So Janet, this has been so much fun. I want to wrap it up with what I do with all of my guests. This is uh, the way I coronate all of my princesses here on the show. And this is, called, <laughs> <laughs> this is called JLP fill in the blanks. It's a part of the show where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence and you're going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. Ooh, okay, this this might be dangerous. Well, 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 you're an expert at this. Come on, you're a TV host. Let's go. Okay, I'm Jeanette Kaploon, and I feel most spiritual when? When I'm talking directly to God and thanking Him for everything that I've been blessed with. Hmm, you just reminded me that last night I was putting myself to bed, and I always try to read before bed, and I... I was reading, I can't, I I don't know, I was reading something. And for some reason, the article said, or it was a letter, somebody wrote a letter into this magazine. And they said, of course, I know God exists. I talk to him all day long. (laughs) 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 I thought that was wonderful. It is, right? I said, oh, that's, I do that too. There you go. (laughs) Okay, my favorite mitzvah or one that I connect with the most is... Ooh, um, that it's hard to pick one, right? That's really hard to pick. Um, actually, donating food to those who don't have any. Mm, beautiful. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is. Oh, my kids. Bar of Bat Mitzvah. Yeah, uh, it, it, it it was so fulfilling to see them both do their bar and bat mitzvah. Undescribable. It is. It really, really is. I also just celebrated my son's bar mitzvah earlier this year in January. Oh, mazazdo. Thank you. Yeah, we went to Israel. It was such a great family experience. And my daughter's having a bat mitzvah in a month and a half. So we're getting ready for that. It's so beautiful. Oh, the craziness. Yeah, Yeah. but it's so meaningful. And it's so beautiful to see them connect with what we connect with yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is? <sighs> that, uh, but I'm not really sure because I, I, I for all my non-religious upbringing, all the values were instilled in me and my parents knew how to seek questions um seek the answers to my questions oh that's amazing uh yeah i perhaps i i wish when i was growing up that i knew more about how we view 
death and how we help the transition. Mm. I think we would all be less afraid if we knew more about our own Judaic vision of, of death and, mm. and what it really means. That's a cool answer. Yeah, what it really means and the soul and all that. That's a cool exactly. answer. Exactly. I think that if I would have known that when I was growing up, I, I wouldn't have been so afraid and so sad when many sad events happened in, in our family's life. Right, right, right. When I give tzedakah, charity, I like to give to... Oh, <laughs> I actually prefer not to know who I'm giving to mm -hmm. because th that way I, I just hope that it helps the person that needs it the most. Exactly, exactly. And finally, I'm Janet Kaploon and today I'm most grateful for being alive. Oh, beautiful. Janet, I actually didn't ask you what's next. I mean, you're involved in so many <laughs> projects. It's a new year. What's what's on the works? Give us a scoop. What's next for Janet Kaploon? Well, I just published a book in English. Now I'm working getting it into Spanish. And I want to continue writing more books. I hadn't written a book in Oof, I want to say 12 or 13 years. So it was time and I, I want to continue writing. Mm -hmm. A podcast might be in the works. I still haven't committed to that. I, I love your podcast. Mm, I, I feel there's so many, but we all have different stories to share and different angles. So I'm definitely looking into that. It's just a matter really of finding the time because whatever I do, I want to do it as best as I can. Right. And I I don't take it lightly because I, I have a responsibility, not only with myself, but with my community. So sure. anything that might help others always garners my interest, but I want to make sure that I do it in a responsible and professional way. And in the rest of the year, I'll be giving conferences. I'm speaking in nashville in november i i'll be traveling to la this weekend i'll, I'll be in north carolina and washington I, I have a lot of travel coming up but really exciting projects especially because i feel there's still so much that needs to be done to ensure that we all live our best possible lives amazing Jeanette. thank you for everything that you're doing and in the meantime we can all find you at hispana global right Yes, hispanaglobal.net is my blog and you can find me at Janet Kaplun. I know it's a mouthful. My <laughs> parents chose the French version of my name and, and it goes with a Russian last name and people then don't understand why I speak perfect Spanish. Exactly. So. <laughs> and the blonde curls, right? The whole exactly. everything, everything. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's why we're all here to defy stereotypes and to build bridges. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Janet Kaplun. We will be following you and I look forward to meeting you in person one of these days me please too. God very soon and give me, me too Yael thank <laughs> you so much for having me this conversation has been so lovely and, and thank you really for allowing me to share my story thank you and I'm, your audience. I'm here to help with the podcast so as soon as you're <laughs> ready I'll give you all my best tips be careful because I might pick your brain there you go we'll do it <laughs> we'll make it happen thank you so much my pleasure 
Thanks to Jeanette Kaploon for stopping by. You can find her on Instagram at Jeanette Kaploon and on her website, hispanaglobal.net. All of this and more back at JewishLatinPrincess.com, where I recently published a blog post, one of my favorite articles, actually, which I wrote a couple years back for a newspaper column that I write monthly. And it's an open letter to God from quote-unquote Jewish women around the world on precisely these, this idea that... Um, I alluded to before that it seems odd that God, odd that God would cram so many holidays into a month and then give us a month with nothing, nada. So perhaps God could have spread his festivities a little bit differently. Well, go check that out and you'll see what I suspect he would answer and the lesson that I gleaned from all this. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and rating on iTunes. I've caught some really nice reviews lately and um, I'll have to get back to sharing some of those here on the podcast. I, I appreciate them tremendously and they really do come a long way. I'm coming close to my third year recording this show. I can't even believe it this February. And I'd love to reach 100 iTunes reviews before that. And I know there's a lot more than 100 of you listening. So please, if you can, do take a minute to drop that review on the platform by scrolling down once you're inside the show's page on the Apple Podcast app. Lots of incredible guests lined up as well as an Ask Yael episode. So stay tuned. See you here next time. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit JewishLatinPrincess.com.